Welcome to Alert and Oriented, conversations about God between friends. Join Gary Barkalow and Sam Williamson as we talk about real life with the real God, really. Tonight, we want to talk about nurturing the life of God in us through Christian community. In the summer between my junior and senior year in college, I went to live on a kibbutz, which is like a Christian, like a, like a commune in uh, Israel, in the country of Israel. And it was the first time I'd ever been in a prolonged time without any interaction with believers. So I lived on this kibbutz for three and a half months. And in Israel, the, it had no religious Jews on this kibbutz. They were all secular Israel, Israelis. And at the end of my three and a half months, I went to visit Jerusalem, which is really what I'd long been longing to do. So it was mid to late August. I visit Jerusalem. It's very hot. The first thing I do is I walked into the Temple Mount area and where they now have the Dome of the Rock, the mosque. And I walk in there and I was sort of looking at the Dome of the Mosque and this older couple. Now, when I was 20, I thought they were older. They're probably about my age now uh, was was there. And the guy had a guitar around his neck and he had a big Bible and he held up a camera to me and he's pointed to it. And it was sort of making motions, asking if I would take a picture of him and his wife. So you know, I took his camera, took a picture of him and his wife. And these are the first Christians I've met. And his Bible says Santa Biblia. So I know he's not an English speaker. And it turns out he was from Spain. But I point to his guitar and I said the only Spanish song I know, the only Spanish worship song, Alabare. So I pointed to it. And I said, Alabare. And he said, Alabare. <laughs> and he starts strumming his guitar and he starts singing Alabare, which I think means praise or I praise or praise to. And it's alabare, alabare, alabare a mi senor, praise to my Lord. So he and his wife, who takes out a tambourine, is beating the tambourine, and I are dancing on the temple mount, singing alabare. And the guards from the mosque came and escorted us off the temple mount, outside the gates. And I spent the rest of the day with this old couple, 65-year-old when I was 20, and it was the best Christian community I'd ever had. We walked around Jerusalem. We would pull out our Bibles and, you know, he would point to a passage because, you know, we're at the Pool of Siloam or something. And never in my life had I longed for Christian community the way I did that day. Mm. And one of the things that that struck me was I would say when I was in Christian community, I often certainly undervalued it. I think there was times when I disdained it, (laughs) but, you know, without it, I realized there's some kind of hole in my life without it. And I think part of what we want to talk about today is the need for Christian community as a way of spiritual nourishment in our lives, a way of nourishing and nurturing the life of God in us. Gary? Yeah, you know, I think through the years when I've come to understand to a greater degree the need for community to, as you said, to nurture the God with nurture God's life within me. It's usually in contrast that I learn. It's kind of like you're talking about. It's it's a period of time without much fellowship, being around other believers. And and you know, trying to do well, trying to be in the word, pray, examine the light. And then there's then finally I kind of enter back into, you know, deep friendships and fellowship. And I just go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize what I was missing. What what I couldn't produce on my own and by myself. And it was that same experience. I remember there were years and years where um, we didn't go to church just because we'd gone to a few, they were disappointing. We hadn't found one we liked. We kind of just said, we're going to stop for a while. 
And I remember the first time going to a church after years and hearing other people sing worship. It was a whole different experience. And I realized, oh my goodness, there's so much life in here that I'm missing when I'm not with others. Bob. And it, uh, you know what I, I love about the way the Father just created us like this, that we're all pieces of a puzzle and none of us stand alone. None of us are self-reliant, that we're, we're actually greater when we fulfill our role as a piece and, and the whole picture of the Father comes out. And what I love about that is it's also just so much more fun. It's a fun way to learn, right? I mean, it just, uh, it's interesting. I mean, community, uh, the ideas that come out when there's true spiritual community going on are, uh, it just seems like the phrases are more pregnant. The meaning is fuller. The, uh, the, 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 the points are richer, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just an amazing gift God has given us. One of the things that's strange to me is every New Year, people makes New Year's resolutions, right? And what are the most common New Year's resolutions? I'm, I'm I have a theory. I actually don't know, but what are they? Lose weight, <laughs> eating, right? right. Oh, they're they're health related. Probably seventy five percent of all New Year's resolutions are health related, and it's because we understand certain things about physical health. You know, you needed the right balance of protein and fat and carbohydrates and minerals and vitamins and all that kind of stuff. But God says there's such a thing as the right balanced diet for our spiritual life, and and we know so much about the physical life, but I think we forget one of the key things of our spiritual life is friendship, community, koinonia, fellowship. Larry Crabb once wrote, he said, we must not only assign priority to soul formation over ministry activities, but we must also understand that soul formation is relational formation. Jonah could prophesy, but could he relate? You know what, too? And I think about this idea, you know, we've talked about this. We are very much body, soul and spirit. Mm-hmm. And we can't completely dissect each from another. You know, I mean, I can feel like I'm I'm doing really poorly spiritually, feeling kind of discouraged. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, I have a cold coming on or a flu. And that's, you know, and then when I get over it, it's like I'm, do, I'm doing good spiritually. I mean, we're very interrelated. And I think, you know, how many times have we been with friends and just laughed? And we might say something like, that did my soul good. You know, so we just need friendship on so many realms, you know, relationally, just how our heart is doing. And definitely as we're talking about spiritually, I mean, there are things that I I believe I can study scripture on, but until I see it in the life of another, it's not going to be as fully realized, you know, until that happens. You know, maybe it's just the modern maybe it's the American vision of, you know, I'm the pioneer, I can do it on my own, where we sort of are independently minded. And I know that I've heard so many people say, I don't smoke because, you know, this is the temple of God and all that kind of stuff. But I was reading first Peter where he says, come to him, the living stone rejected by men, because you yourselves are living stones being built into a spiritual house. Well, I am not the temple so much as we are the temple. And I, and I tend to think of it as I'm the temple. God's saying, no, 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 Sam, you need Gary, you need Bob, you need the people listening. But we modern world, I think we want to think of, yeah, it's just me and God. There's this tendency to sort of take the Marlboro man and move it into Christianity. 
Yeah. And, you know, as, as I thought about this, I'm, I have been guilty of saying this myself, and I've heard many others say things like, you know, I just can't find any friends that see Christianity as I do, that live it at this depth. And so they are pretty much isolated. Um, I, I don't really buy that anymore. Or, or, you know, I've given up on church because it's just a bunch of religious people. I'm not going into that religious system again. And I watched the fallout in their life. And I've, like I said, I've seen it in my own life and saying, you know what? You and I are not the only right ones here. <laughs> you know, I understand something. They understand something. I need to understand what they understand. And then and vice versa. And so I was just trying to think about the the, the modern excuses that we hear from people who live fairly isolated and they seem to hide behind, you know, spiritual reasons. But really, when you look at them, they don't they don't really work. Mm-hmm. So wow. is that why the spirit? Well, well, let me ask you this. Is that why when Jesus goes to the cross and he or, 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 I mean, he, he goes through the death, the resurrection and the instructions are very clear. Hey, guys, uh, go wait, just get together and wait until you receive power from on high. And so they hang around for 10 days and then the spirit comes and you, you just see this explosion of community. They're devoting themselves to scripture, to prayer, to giving to one another, to serving one another. And if you read between the lines, Acts 2, they are having the time of their lives. And it's so easy to look in that text and go, well, of course, the Spirit came. But you can miss the fact that the Spirit came into all of them. Mm. And it was this giant party going on. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is community. Okay, so so let's say we have a set of people who are listening to us, and let's say we're talking to ourselves too, and we're convinced that Christian community is an essential element of our spiritual health, of, of nurturing the life of God, us, God in us. But we all know a set of people who say, I don't have friends. I don't have that community. I don't have that koinonia fellowship that you're talking about. What would we say are practical ways people can grow in developing a, a, a friendship, a, a, a believer's community in there right around them. I mean, both of you, what, all three of us, what do we think are some practical things people can do? Well, I've got one thing, I mean, and that is you have to be deliberate and that yep. you, you cannot hope to do community with the cell phone in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> it just kills it. How would you hold that thought? <laughs> And then I, I think another thing is you cannot delegate it either. It has to be you and your whole heart. You know, trying to delegate community would be like trying to delegate intimacy with your wife. You know, I mean, I, right? I'd never go to my wife and say, honey, we need to spend some time together. I've been neglecting you and my heart longs to connect with you. I'm, I'm going to have my assistant reach out to you and schedule a dinner and take you on a nice dinner. <laughs> so you got to be deliberate and you got to be willing to give yourself. Yeah, I'd really agree with that. I had the same thought about how, you know, so many times it's easy in Christianity to say, you know, God, I want a humble heart. Do it to me. God, I want to be merciful. Do it to me. 
God, I want to know the word. Do it to me. And he goes, well, study the word. I'm going to put you around people that you're going to have to be merciful with. And, I'm, you know, I mean, and I think it's the same thing with deep friendship and fellowship that nurtures the life of God within us. I think he says, well, then go find them and offer yourself and invite them in. I just find that's true with me. And and yes, as Lewis and others said, you know, don't don't believe that, you know, the people that that the people that are in your life, God is not orchestrated. He has, but so many times things start with our initiation, you know, and maybe that's humility to say, I need others. So I would say, yeah, it's taking the initiative just to and not even just to drop the hard line, like, you know, I just realized that I need fellowship. And so why don't we get together, you know, once every week till the day we die. Okay. <laughs> I committed to one person in my life till the day I die. And that's my wife. So I'm not doing, I was going to say, I'm not doing that again. That sounded negative. <laughs> but I do think it's just saying, Hey, let's, you know, let's, Let's get together. And and if and in these days, if we can't literally get together, you know, let me just say getting on the phone, you know, as we've done, sometimes that's that's good for my heart when we talk about our walk with God and what's he saying and how you do it. I want to jump on one of the things you said, which is you you use the word humility. And I I think it's true that sometimes we we don't get along with people, we don't have friends for other reasons, but I think a big one is humility, honestly. You know. When I talk to people who don't have Christian friends or they don't go to church, it's very often, you know, they don't see things the way I do, as you were saying. And, you know, the truth is other people could say about me, I don't see things the way they do. And that's, I think, part of the value of the Christian life is, you know, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. You know, meaning I may not see things exactly the way Gary does or Bob does, but God's saying, Sam, you may need to see some of the things the way they see it. And they may need to see some of the things I some of the ways I see things, but there's a kind of humility where I go, I need to go into it, not just saying I will serve Bob and Gary, you know, <laughs> but, but rather the humility of saying, I will learn from Bob and Gary. And, um, you know, we, we had our kids home for Christmas this year and, you know, they're, they're in their thirties, they're growing in the business world or in their own careers. And I realized it's a lot better for me just to ask them questions. What are you learning about parenting? You know, and they start teaching me about parenting. And I'm thinking, you know, I raised you. Don't you realize that? (laughs) (laughs) But I realized there's something just sweet about listening, you know, and saying, I want to hear what you're learning. And I there's still more I can learn. There's something you know that I don't know. And so I think part of a huge part is saying, I don't have it all. And I need those people who I disagree with very often. I need their perspective in my life. And that takes humility. Yeah, you know, it's it's so true that, you know, different personalities and different uh, spiritual backgrounds are, are challenging. And actually, that's really good. When I can get my heart, you know, to slow down, get into a place of humility, when I hear something that I initially disagree with, and start to really probe and wonder, you know, think this is a really good person. They love God. Why do they believe that to be true? And just actually try to probe that versus how do I prove them wrong? Because mm-hmm. I have a little different take on this. But I, it, first of all, I find it enjoyable. And secondly, it challenges me of, well, why do I believe a little differently? Where did that come from? It just makes life fun. 
And um, I, I just think it's absolutely necessary. I mean, there's certain aspects of the word of God and certain aspects of Jesus himself that I'm not going to understand without another, I believe. And you know, what's neat too, is it's so surprising, isn't it? Uh, you know, J.I. Packer, he, he, he was fond of saying that our God is full of surprises. And I find in being in community, it's not just the information that's being exchanged. It's mm-hmm. what you're talking about. It's coming from a real person with a real heart, a real intention, a real background and environment. And there's something about looking them in the eye and hearing that perspective or hearing them talk about their struggles or themselves. And it, it, it's not just the information. It's the, it's the, whole, um, it's the whole package of, of community, don't you think? You know, what you just said reminded me of a story C.S. Lewis told about when he lost a friend of his. I can't, I think it was Charles. He lost Charles something or other. He had, he had this tight knit group of friends. Charles was one of them. And Ronald was actually J.R.R. Tolkien. He called him Ronald. And <laughs> Charles died. And they were very good friends. Charles, Ronald, and um, C.S. <laughs> and C.S. Lewis. Charles died. And, you know, C.S. Lewis was mourning to himself. He said, but at least I'll have more of Ronald. He said, but when he got together with Ronald next time, he actually had less of Ronald because Charles brought parts of Ronald out in the story. He made him laugh. He made him think. He made him pause. Charles brought stuff out of Ronald that C.S. Lewis couldn't do. And in a certain sense, I think what you're saying also is I get more of God when I'm with you guys. Because you sort of bring parts of God alive to me, if you will, you know, in, in, in being together. And that's part of what Christian community is. You know, sort of like C.S. Lewis said, friendship brought different parts of people alive. I think it's the same true with our relationship with God. So last thoughts, everybody. What, what would you say is one or two practices somebody could do, start to do, if they want to build Christian community? Bob, go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, this is going to sound funny, but uh, in my work, we do these uh, prayer cohorts, and it's people who've never met before, but they come and they meet online, and we spend 10 weeks going through prayer stories and getting to know each other while we're praying through things. And uh, a few months ago, I I had... I had men's groups, I had women's groups, I had pastors groups, I, I had different, you know, different sociologically defined groups. And then I had these people kind of left over and I didn't know what to do. So I just put together a co-ed group. Okay. And so I had old men, young men, I had old women, young women, I had, you know, just people from all different backgrounds. And it was electric. <laughs> it was so good. And when we were all done with the cohort, I called each one and interviewed them to say, hey, how'd it go? How do we get better, et cetera? And I got this young lady on the phone and she said, you know, Bob, what I loved about it is that we were not all the same. Mm-hmm. And she said, for some reason, church is the most segregated organization left in our culture. <laughs> and she said, I'm a young single woman, and I always get put with young single women in the church. 
And she said, I loved being in a cohort with you, an old guy. And I loved to be, you know, and, and she started, the differences came out. So I think one of the neat things we can do in Christian community is try to get with people that are not always like us and let the spirit flow and just have the fun of all that variety. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. You know, the only thing I could, yeah, that I might add to that is this idea of, you know, taking the initiative when someone you see kind of grabs your attention, your curiosity, you know, take that as maybe God's prompting to say, go talk to that person, you know, call them, get a time to talk on the phone or, you know, when is possible, get a cup of coffee and just and just get to know them and, and, and ask, you know, questions as you would want someone to ask you, or what, what have you been thinking about lately? What have you been reading? Do you, do you sense God is up to something with you right now? I mean, those questions that we long to think about with another person, have someone help us think about it. And then we, we long for someone to be interested in those things in our life, because that means they really are interested in us. And, and, and we love to give that as well as receive it. I just think, and, and, and then with the understanding, you know, that some people you're going to think, I want to do this frequently for a long time. And other people, you know, chemistry wise, it's like that, that was really good. Every once in a while, this would be good to do and not feel guilty about it, but just kind of sense the heart of God, you know, in it and just and pursue it and continue to pursue. I, I would say that. I would. Uh, these are great. I, I would suggest grabbing four or five friends and say, let's read a book, you know, a, a Christian book or a book in the Bible, like, you know, a letter, first Peter and say, let's just do it together. Let's, you know, this is not a long-term commitment, but let's do it. And, you know, the, the point of doing this to say, we read a passage, we read a chapter and we say, what is God saying to me in this? And we just share it. And re so we grab some people for a short period of time to read a book or a book of scripture with the idea of saying, God wants to speak to me through them. So sort of you have the inner heart that says, God wants to speak to me through these, through these people and just try it. I, I know that the times that I've gone through a book and I've done a Bible study with people have been very significant for me in terms of both building friendship, but also just hearing God because people are seeing things that I don't see. So that's good. Thanks for listening. Please join us by following this podcast or liking it and visit our websites, thenobleheart.com and beliefsoftheheart.com for more resources in living the eternal life with God today. You'll find articles, videos, and online classes. See you next week.